Thank you for visiting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We pray the following message will be encouraging to you. For more information about us, visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. Listen in as we start taking away the layers of religion and discover the joys of a relationship with the Creator. Yeah, come on, let's make believe we're excited to, to hear the Word of God. Let's make believe, let's make believe it's, we're interested. Let's make believe we want to we wanna be close and, and, and close enough to feel the anointing and close enough to grab the anointing. Amen. So what if the back looks empty? Let's get up to the front like we're the ones that matter. Come on. Come on. Amen. You know, I just, I'm sorry, Gary, but I just, I can't, I can't get that song out of my head. My deliverer is the first time I heard it. My deliverer is the great I am. And I just started thinking, listen, listen to this and put this kind of in perspective for you. I started thinking, I don't know why, but listen, try, try to, try to track with me on this. Maybe I'm, I'm off the wall here, but I started thinking of all of the, the, uh, the famous people that are a mess that are daughters and sons of, you know, famous people. Like, that's why they're famous. Like, Paris Hilton came to mind. A bunch of names like that came to mind. And I said, you know, they could walk around and do anything they want and get into any kind of mess they want because they are the son or the daughter of somebody rich. Right? You following me? And then I just keep thinking in my head, my deliverer is the great I am. And, and, and that kind of kept echoing in my heart. I'm saying, wow, my, I could walk around. You, you understand? I mean, this is a whole message. I'm sorry, I'm not preaching. But, but, but it's a revelation, really, that we need to get. You know, we need to walk around a different way. Not, not like my, you know, my deliverer isn't, you know, the heiress to the Hilton whatever. Or my deliverer isn't this one's this one or this one's this one. Look at the mess that's gotten them in. Right? But my deliverer is the great I am. Right? The great I am who supplies and can snub out any bank account or any name or fame. You understand? All that could be and it will one day just be gone. But my deliverer is in this life and in the next life. My deliverer is in the afterlife. My deliverer is supernatural. You understand? That, and and, and I, I think that if as Christians we would grab this, I'm sorry Gary, if as Christians we would grab this, we could find ourselves in places, closed in walls where we're locked in, and, and realize, wait, my deliverer is the great I am, and just walk through the wall to, to escape. And, and you can find yourselves in situations where, where nothing good is going to happen and, and everything is bad. And say, wait, wait, hold up, hold up, hold up. I forgot. My deliverer is the great I am and just kind of be up out of there. Right? All right, I'm sorry. <laughs> that was just good for me. I needed to get that out. Amen. Well, Pastor Gary and, and uh, some of our friends here, members here, are, are going on a trip and they're leaving when? They're leaving this Thursday, and we're going where? To, to Mexico. Can I have everybody that's going on that trip? If you would just come, come forward. Amen. Mary Lou. And if we could just have a prayer team real quick, just come up and, and surround them.
Some of our ministry team, just come up and surround them. See, when you, when you leave this country, even in this country, but when you leave this country, you really got to know who your deliverer is. And you got to be reminded who your deliverer is. And if anybody's been to Mexico or been just outside, you know, in, in, in a different kind of environment, you have to just understand that you need to go with a, a saving knowledge, a, a grace, and knowing that I'm walking where God wants me to be. And wherever God wants me to be is the safest place to be. Amen? So it doesn't matter where you are, it's the safest place to be. If God called you to be in between the enemy lines of whoever and whoever, that's the safest place for you to be. That's where God wants you to be. So we're just going to pray that over this team. So if you guys would just start to pray over this team and just, just pray blessings and pray encouragement, pray protection, pray anointing, pray provision, pray breakthrough. Pray inspiration and revelation. Heavenly Father, we just send this team out, Lord God. And Father, we thank you for their spirit. We thank you for their lives. Father, we ask you, Lord, that you would make a way in a country, Lord, that is filled with religious spirit, Lord God. Father, we ask that wherever their feet would trod, that demons would tremble, that the walls would fall down, oh God. We pray that you would ready the hearts in that country, oh God, in the name of Jesus. We ask, Lord God, that they would come back with a good report, Lord God, that the gospel has been spread that lives have been changed, that people have been delivered in the name of Jesus. So we ask, oh God, that you would accompany them, Lord, that there would be a cooperative spirit, Lord God. Father, that you would give them boldness, God. Fire in their hands, oh God. Fire in their spirit, oh God. That they would just walk, and where they would walk, sin would be just consumed, oh God. So Father, we just ask you in the mighty name of Jesus to protect them, God, to equip them, Lord, to surround them, Lord God. Oh, Father, we call, we call out to the enemy and we say that you have no place in the country of Mexico that they are going to land and take the country by storm oh God even though they may look like a few I pray that in the spirit it would be a mighty army of God that will trample on that place oh God and father I just pray right now for those people God their hearts are hardened Lord God they have years of tradition Lord God so I just come against that in the mighty all powerful name of Jesus I pray Lord God that all those spirits God would just crumble at your feet Lord God, that fire from heaven would fall wherever they go, Lord God. Give them words that cannot be resisted, oh God. Father, I pray that even though they don't speak the language, many of them, God, that your spirit would give the language, God, that their lives would give testimony of your greatness. I pray for that power that the disciples had, that as they passed, people were delivered, Lord. I pray that the very shadow of them, Lord God, would cause deliverance, Lord God, and a rumbling in the spirit realm. So I thank you that we back home can continue to pray for them while they're gone, that we can intercede here in the Bronx and, and stand in the gap as they bravely go, oh God. So we thank you that all the monies will be provided for, all the homes where they're going to stay or wherever they're going to stay, Lord, for their leadership that goes with them, oh God. We thank you for their faithfulness, Lord, and we, we pray that you would move on their behalf, Lord. In your precious name we pray. Amen. 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 Remember them in the coming days. Keep them in prayer. Remember Candace, who's away in, Ethi in Ethiopia? Remember Candace? She must, she's got to be having a hard time. I've been sending her emails, but I don't get them back, so I guess she can't. But just remember Candace. She's the one that's always yelling with me when I'm preaching over there in the corner. She's, got, she's in Ethiopia. Keep her in prayer. Keep encouraging her. Um, directly after service, you see a lot of our, our, the band are, are, were gone this morning. They're ministering in... Uh, 
in uh, Donnie McClurkin's church, Church Without Walls. That's going to be at 3 o'clock today. So a lot of us are, are leaving right from here and going out to Long Island. Directions, you just ask an usher and she has directions for you. We're going to go join them and, and, and be able to stand and encourage them and minister with them out in Long Island uh, at 3 o'clock today. Amen? So everybody's going somewhere doing something. Amen? What are you, where are you going? Who are you talking to? What are you doing? Amen. There's always a preacher in every crowd here. Amen. But I'm going to be continuing in Pastor George's series on name dropping, which is a series on the names of God. And, and the name of God that I want to talk about today is Bridegroom. And in Isaiah 62, verse 5, it says, As a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so will your God rejoice over you. So one of the names of God is, is our bridegroom. He's a heavenly bridegroom, which means that you are the bride. And when you think of the bride... Don't think of it as male or female, because the Bible says that in the spirit there is no male or female. So in the spirit, being the bride is not a feminine term, but it's a description of a love relationship between you and God, because that's what being a Christian is. Being a Christian is not mostly about doing the work, it's not mostly about what you do and how you perform, but it's mostly about passion for Jesus, the bridegroom. See, you're married to him, and being married isn't mostly about what you do. It's mostly about your relationship, and being a Christian is mostly about having passion for God. It's mostly about being hungry for God. When I talk to people who are not Christians, I tell them that becoming a Christian is not a religion, but it's a relationship. And that's what we're all about. Being a Christian is not mostly about going to church. It's not mostly about singing songs. But all of those things are important. I'm believing God to do more than I've ever done before, to accomplish more than I've ever been able to accomplish, but that's not mostly what my life needs to be about. Mostly my life has to do with the relationship with God and pursuing Him, with being filled with fiery passion for Him. And I'm going to ask you to turn to Revelation chapter 2, verse 1. And I'm going to ask my wife, Norma, to come up and read. So we're going to read Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. God bless the saints. And the word of the Lord says, Revelation 2, 1 through 5. To the angel of the church at Ephesus, write, These things says he that holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know your works and the labor and the patience and how you can't not bear those that are evil and that you have tried them, which say they are apostles and are not and has found them liars and has borne and has patience. And for my name's sake, you have labored and you have not fainted. 
Nevertheless, I have someone against you because upon you have has left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you are fallen and repent and do the first works or else I will come unto you quickly and will remove your candlestick out of your place except if you repent. This was a letter written by Jesus in the book of Revelation to a church in the city of Ephesus, which is in Greece. And in the letter, Jesus commended the church. He says, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. You cannot tolerate wicked men, and you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and found them false. Sounds like a good church, right? They don't tolerate evil. They don't watch those nasty movies. They don't listen to that evil demonic music. They work hard for God. They do everything they can. They test people that come in off the street and see who they really are. They didn't just allow anyone to walk into the church and speak into the lives of people. They, they test it for false prophets, for false ministers. It says, you have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. In other words, in this church... They, they've worked so hard that they haven't given up. They've, they were persecuted. The enemy has come against them. People hated them. And in all that, they refused to quit. They refused to give up. Doesn't that sound like a great church? Don't you think that if God would write a letter, it would be to honor them and tell them how wonderful they are? And God did that in the first part of the letter. But he says, but I have this against you. You have forgotten your first love. In other words, what God is saying, in all your works, in everything you're doing, whether the stuff, even though the stuff you're doing is great, you're persevering, you're working hard for me, but in the midst of that, you forgot all about me as your bridegroom. You forgot about the relationship. You lost your hunger. You lost your passion. You lost your fire for me. And God says, you better turn back. It's not enough. It's not enough just to say, well, I work for God, and I don't do this, and I do that, and I keep away from that, and, and we need to do that. We need to keep away from evil. We, we need to come together in fellowship. We, we need to persevere. We need to keep going no matter what. But you can do all those things, and if, you're, if you don't have a passion for God, if you don't have a one-to-one -one relationship with Jesus, your bridegroom, if, if you're not filled with hunger for him, all that is for nothing. It's all for nothing, all the hard work. Because it's all about him. See, why did God create us? Why God the Father had a plan for, for us to be created because he was looking for a bride for his son. And, and that's what we're mostly about. We're mostly about being the bride of Christ. 
more than your ministry, more than your career, more than anything in your life. And again, these things are important. God wants you to succeed. God wants you to work for him. He has destiny for you. But we're mostly about being a bride. We're mostly about relating to God, being hungry for him, pursuing him, going after his presence. That doesn't mean that all we do is is pray 24 hours a day, lock ourselves in a room for eight hours every day, day after day. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the heart issue. I'm talking about the passion issue. See, above anything that you can do for God, He wants your heart. Ezekiel chapter 11, verse 19. This is God speaking. He says, I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Then they will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. They will be my people, and I will be their God. What does that mean? I will give them an undivided heart. See, the Bible tells us in Galatians that there's a war going on inside of us for our heart. See, we want to be passionate for God. We want to devote our lives to God. We want to come after Him. We want to live for Him. But on the other hand, we have what's called our sinful nature. You see, when we get saved, everything, all our old desires, the way that we used to be, the, the sinful things that we always wanted, it doesn't just get up and disappear. It's still, it's still working in us. So there's a battle going on inside us, and the battle is for your heart. And... and And God says that if you'll come to him, he will give you an undivided heart. See, there's something pulling at you. The the flesh, what's called in in the Bible, it's called the flesh. It's called the sinful nature, the old man, the things that you used to be. It's not content just to die and lay down, but it wants to come back. And it's pulling you. It's pulling at every one of you. And it's going to pull at you all the days of your life. And the, the question is, how far are you going to let it bring you? There, there, there's a war going on. And the battle is for your heart. See, God wants your heart. He wants your heart to be fully devoted to Him. Fully in love with Him. And I'm going to ask Merck to come up and help me. Where, where? You see, I like to have Merck come up because he keeps it lyrically smooth like riding a bike. Praise God. Sons, give me your heart and not envy, irreverently observe my way, faithfully, diligently, curse for me and I'll be there. Be prepared cause I separate the wheat from the tear. 
My daughters give me your hearts and not envy But reverently observe my way faithfully Diligently search for me and I'll be there Be prepared cause I separate the wheat from the tear He's Jesus, we must just pray He'll heal us, feed us, teach us your ways Feed us, greet us when we pray don't stray Cause we say when we lay which way we pay when we slay Our flesh, our ways and we praise and we raise Our hands in these days and we blaze and we face Our position, our mission is this In our position and submission we fishing for men like this And we sing and we laugh and we cry and we try His path stops wrath so tell me so why try Anything besides him I'm binding what I'm finding that's blinding He's minding His little ones call sons provide funds And we talk tongues for fake guns and fake ones So just take him for his word and trust him Stop lusting and fussing He's busting through these yokes and chains Thoughts and brains Sort my pains and storms and rains And hell remains with flames So why doubt? Why drought? Reach out, seek out, reroute We shout, we sprout, and we out your heart, not envy, but reverently observe my way faithfully, diligently search for me and I'll be there. Be prepared because I separate the wheat from the tear. My daughters give me your heart, not envy, but reverently observe my way faithfully, diligently search for me and I'll be there. Be prepared because I separate the wheat from the tear. Believe and receive in this Christ who retrieves the lost sheep and release. But demons that deceive where he sees your storm and your trial when you mourn and reborn doesn't mean your life ain't torn. But he's there and we care. Some of us have been there, so we share some things we couldn't hold. He bear. He's faithful. He's true. And we too go through some things. But when he comes, our strength is renewed. And he's Abba. He's dad. Our father, so we glad. But we had, we had things was bad and sad. But Henry lied. We die to self. We try. We sigh like Eli. We preach your now. Before your dad and your moms. Stay calm. He's on the job. Three psalms. His word alarms. God can do all things. His sword just swings. The Lord brings comfort. Worship the just king. My sons, give me your heart and not envy, but reverently observe his way faithfully, diligently. Search for him and he'll be there. Be prepared because he separates the wheat from the tear. My daughters, give me your heart and not envy, but reverently observe my way faithfully, diligently. Search for me and I'll be there. Be prepared because I separate from wheat from the tear. Come home. Praise the Lord. Amen. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. It says, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. You, you need to protect your heart. I've seen too many Christians who, who came to church. They walk with the Lord. They love to worship until one day they stop guarding their heart. And all of a sudden the world came and started to pull at it. And, and all of a sudden that person wasn't serving God anymore. Their passion was gone. Their love was gone. And I'm going to talk to some of the single people right now. You need to guide your heart. Not every man and woman out there who comes around and says they're a Christian is serving God. I just felt the Lord tell me just to add this in. 
I've seen many single people, many, many young people, they, they serve God, they had a passion for God, and all of a sudden a man or a woman will come and begin to draw them away. Because once you open your heart to that, it begins to pull you away. And I've heard a lot, of, a lot of people say, don't worry, we'll go to church. I'll go to church with you. Maybe I'm not right with God, but I'll be there. And then you know what happens? A few weeks go by. And all of a sudden they say, do we have to go to church every week? And it begins to pull your heart away from God. Above all else, if you never listen to anything else I've ever said, above all else, guard your heart. That's why we warn you sometimes about some of the music out there, about some of the movies that's just so profane, filled with profanity, illicit sex, because it's going to get in here. It's not just a matter of a type of entertainment, but it could get in here, it could get in your heart and begin to draw you away from God. We can't lose our first love. We got to do whatever it takes, whatever we got to lay down. Whatever we got to do, it's worth the price. Because God is worth it. He's worth whatever it is. He's worth the sacrifice. But you got to guard your heart. You got to keep it for God above all things. Because the word said it's the wellspring of life. If you begin to give your heart over to the world, what happens is that that life is cut off of you. And then all of a sudden it's not so important to go to church anymore. It's not so important to pray anymore. It's not so important to worship anymore. Because your heart grows cold. It becomes dead. Because, because you stop guarding it. Above all else, guard your heart. Above any other thing in this world. There's nothing more important as, as a man or a woman or a child of God than your heart. That's where the issue is. That's where the battle is. A, a few years ago, I got a letter in the mail from a denomination that I used to be part of. And it came from the men's ministry department of the denomination. And it complained about the type of worship that, that, that was going on in churches. They said a lot of men will not come to church. Because there's too many love songs to God being sung. There's too many songs of passion. And they said men are not looking for a lover, they're looking for a hero. That's a lie. There was a great man of God in the Bible named King David. He was a lover of God, but he was a warrior. He killed a bear with his hands. He killed a lion with his bare hands. He tore it apart. He went out into battle. He never lost a battle. He, he was a mighty warrior, mighty in battle. But he also had a tender heart from God. It doesn't make you less of a man if you sit and say, God, I love you. I worship you, O oh God. I want to read Psalm 63, which was written by King David. Oh God, you are my God. 
earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. Psalm 27, verse 4. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. David said one thing. And Torian knows this is her cue. Because I was on Torian's MySpace page. And she talked all about the one thing. And I said, come on, Torian, tell us what is the one thing that, that we should desire of God. The one thing that's important to God. Okay. Um, uh, um, Pastor Gary said I should talk about one thing. And when I prepared the whole thing, I wasn't sure I'll, I'll be able to, it will fit into what he's talking about, but it does. But um, I'll start by reading Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 42. So, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. And then I'll read Psalm 27 verse 4 that Pastor Gary just read. It says, um, One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. Amen. Um, before I go on, I, when I was preparing this message, um, God gave me a message for somebody. I'm not so sure who it is. At least, I, I don't, it might not even be just one person, but I know there's someone here that needs to hear this. So um, the message is like there's someone or at least people who are like, who have a lot that they're worrying about. They're getting weary, tired, and frustrated and um, losing track of actually why they're doing what they're doing. Like I feel God is telling you to take a break and do what you always wanted to do and which is to sit at his feet. You've always desired intimacy and closeness with God and he's saying take a break, break from all the busyness of everything you're doing and just take time and um, sit at his feet. That, um, God is saying that indeed what you're doing is important but everything will not come crashing down if you take a break. Like stop and breathe and sit at his feet. Remember why and for who you do all you do. He will give you all the strength you need. You feel you are a pillar holding up all you are involved in. And if you let go, things will fail. But God is saying that he has been and he will. And he is holding everything up. So if you take a break, he will not let things crumble when you take out time to be with him. So you need to get back 
to why you do what you do. Take a week off, turn off your phone, delegate duties, like give, tell people what to do when you're away, but just take a break and be refreshed in his presence. Okay. Okay. So like, um, I just read the story about um, Mary and Martha, and we all know the story from um, Sunday school. And um, many of us are like Martha in that we, we, we believe in being practical. Like, we, yeah, we need to, things need to get done. And basically that's the truth. Like ministry where maybe we're more minded about our ministry. Th- um, our ministry needs to be run. Our lives needs to, need to be run. Bills need to be paid and all that. And like it, that is practical. And there's a- absolutely nothing wrong with doing all that stuff. But like what Martha was doing was being so concentrated on taking care of her guests. Indeed, Jesus is, Jesus is, if, if I had Jesus in my house, I probably would do more than she did. It's Jesus. So she was trying to take care of him. But the thing is, she neglected what was really important, and that's sitting at his feet, like gazing at him. I, I just had this picture of Ma- Mary sitting down and just gazing up at him and listening to everything he had to say. Like She was just captivated by everything he had to say. And um, that was what Martha neglected. And um, Jesus was trying to say that in all being busy and everything, Jesus wasn't complaining um, about what Martha was doing. He didn't say it was wrong, but he complained about the focus. Like Gary was saying, it's a hard issue. And so the focus was, she was focused so much on what she was doing. She wasn't actually focused on who she was doing it for and why. So that she even turned to Jesus and was like, why are you letting Mary sit down there and listen to you? Why don't you tell her to come help me? So she was focused, her heart was focused on what she was doing and not on Christ. And so in everything, um, I'll just say this. We're all, if you're a Christian, you're serving God, you've given your life to Christ, you, you, um, you need to realize or you get to realize that first and foremost you are a child of God. You're, like Pastor Gary said, your careers are not what's important. Your ministry, they are important, but they're not the priority in your life. Who is the priority in your life is Jesus. And, and that's, that's what we need to um, get to understand. We're not, um, Jesus is not just like um, just one aspect. Or it's not just supposed to be an aspect of our lives. It's supposed to be all of our lives. I usually tell people when I'm talking to them that um, God is all or nothing. You, you need his His a hundred percent or he isn't there. That's what I, um, it might sound ha- harsh, but if you, if we consider what God has done, first of all, he created us. So in, in the, in, we wouldn't even exist if not for him. And then cons- thinking of the sacrifice he gave, we, um, he, um, we wouldn't be who we were if not for him. And so he, he deserves that. He deserves that much that he deserves a hundred percent of our attention and our hundred percent of our affection and the arms so Mary chose the one thing that was necessary the one thing that was important and that's spending time at the feet of God spending spending time in intimate discipleship that's um like I was just going through talking about I I felt I was going to use devotion intimacy discipleship just like um, Pastor Gary is talking about um, Jesus being the bridegroom, but it's not just um, it's not just the whole "oh, I love you" thing. That's not just the only thing. But being intimate with God is being His disciple. It's um, spending time and li- and listening to what He has to say. 
Okay. Okay, so what I'm saying, like, it's, it's necessary that we are intimate with God and we are God's disciples. And how, how are you a disciple of God? It's basically listening to what he has to say. And how do you listen to what he has to say? It's not just coming to church on Sunday and the once a week thing. If you come, to, if it's just only on Sundays or maybe some other time during the week that you hear the word of God, it's just like when you eat only once a week. Definitely you'll be malnourished and you know, you'll definitely not live well. So it's, it's study of the word or reading the Bible every day. That's, I, many people say, oh, you don't have to read the Bible every day. It's, I feel like if you really, um, I thank Monica for the, um, the very good analogy, but if you really love someone and this person, um, this person gave his all for you and you really love the person and there's a book somewhere that tells you everything about this person and how to please this person and, uh, and just basically everything you want to know about the person. Definitely, really, we, we, would, we would read this book every day. We would want to digest the book and like consume it because we want to know everything about this person we love. So if we really love God and we have the Bible there that tells us everything about God, tells us how to please Him, tells us how to live for Him, we definitely will, would want to read this book every day. We definitely would want to read the Bible every day. Then another way we will be a disciple, be intimate with God is by praying, spending time with Him, talking to Him. But, um, you can't, um, I'm not married, but for those of us who are married, definitely you can't have intimacy if you guys are not like on speaking terms. If you don't talk to someone, you can't actually be intimate with the person. Like, um, and even friendship, any, it, there, there has to be communication. And so we definitely need to spend time in prayer. It doesn't have to be that, um, oh, we have to spend eight hours. But we, um, we just need to have God on our minds. Like them, them basically, if we listen to God's word, we pray to him. If we speak to God, he'll speak to us. Then we have to be obedient to what we hear. Um, we should not only hear, but we should do. We should apply what we we've heard from God. So um, that's um, basically what I have to talk about. One thing is needed. In everything we do, we need to understand that we're not doing it for ourselves, but we're doing it for God. And, and um, God is, the, is 100% in our life. We need to have total devotion to Him. Because um, right, the times we're in now, we're not, it's, it's, it's not a time for us to just do church as usual and just come to church on Sunday and do whatever it is. Um, we think we need to do but this is a time for radical devotion to god that um god would have nothing less he would um god doesn't want just um a religion of just talk we just come to church on sunday and and, and everything else is more important than god in our in our lives i um i just want to um encourage us and to think and see like how where where do we place god in our lives it is is everything else more important to us than God is our careers, our, our ministry? If, if we place anything else in front before God, then we have, we, we have our priorities um, in the wrong place. We need, God has to be the first and foremost thing in our lives. And um, definitely, um, maybe we might think, oh, God doesn't really apply. But I challenge you to apply the teachings of God, study the word of God, apply what God tells you and you definitely, definitely see a change in your life. I can, I can testify to that, that when you apply what God tells you, 
there will be a change in your life. So once more, it's like we need radical devotion to God. Amen. You see, as King David said, and as Jesus himself said in the scripture Torian just read, only one thing is needed. See, the story with Mary and Martha, Martha was very busy doing the work. And through the years, people tell me, well, we need the Marthas in the church. You can't have a church without busy people running around doing everything. And let me tell you something, you don't need any Marthas in the church. Because you know what happens to those people who are always working, always serving, but never have the time for God, never refresh themselves in the Lord. Never renew themselves in devotion. They become angry and bitter and judgmental. We don't need any Marthas. God is looking for Marys. It doesn't mean we don't accomplish anything. It doesn't mean we don't do anything for God. But it means only one thing is needed. To press into God. To love Him. And Pastor George once preached a message here. And in the message, what he said was, it's not only about sitting at home and praying, but that everywhere that you go, you've got God on your mind. That everywhere you go throughout the day, that you're filled with God, filled with His purposes, that you're connected with Him. So this isn't a message of just drop everything in your life, forget everything in your life, and just go someplace all the time. Although, as Torian said, there's times you might need to do that. (coughs) But this is a matter of where your heart is. Have you lost your first love? Your first love. David said, just one thing I seek to dwell in the house of the Lord forever, to gaze upon His beauty. Is that the one thing that you would ask God, like David, if if God came to you today and He said, I'll give you one thing, would that be your answer? Just to gaze at your beauty, just to love you, just to be intimate with you, to have more of you. See, that's Christianity. There's no other Christianity in the Bible. There's nothing else to offer you. But it's all about Him. It's all about intimacy and friendship with God. I want to read uh, one more scripture from Matthew 26, verse 6. It says, While Jesus was in Bethany in the home of a man known as Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, Why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. 
When she poured this body perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. I tell you the truth, whenever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Now, this woman was a prostitute. She hadn't yet gotten her life together. She didn't have everything in order. But she had a heart full of passion for God. And she took the perfume, which was worth a, a year's worth of, of, of income. Everything that she had, it was her treasure. And she poured it out on him. In her weakness, God was pleased with her. Do you know that in your weakness... When you don't have it all together, when you feel like everything's messed up, if you just take, take that heart of devotion and passion and pour it out on God, God is pleased with you. See, that's where the victory comes from. The victory doesn't come from someone beating you over the head saying, Oh, you're unrighteous, you're ungodly, and taking the Bible and, and whipping you with it. It's about you coming to God with, full of passion and you get filled with Him and He'll give you everything that you need to get things right in your life. You could hear a million sermons. You could sing a thousand songs. You could watch every Christian TV show for hours and hours. And unless you sit before God and let Him fill you, there's no victory in your life. You're not going to have the things that God has for you as you walk along the street. That's what Joshua said. One of the leaders of the Jewish people, he says, I, I meditate on the Lord. I keep him in my heart as I walk down the street, as I sit with my children. I meditate on God. It's, it's about being filled with such devotion and passion for him that you carry that everywhere that you go. And what did the disciples tell this woman? This woman? After she poured out everything she had on Jesus, the disciples told her, why the waste? If, if there's anything people have told me through the years, that's it. You don't have to do all that. You don't have to go that far. You don't have to be that radical. Why are you wasting your life? Why are you wasting your time? I'm talking about Christians telling me that. I, I, just, want, I just want to encourage you. To waste yourself on God. Everything that you got, waste it on Him. Pour it out on Him. He's worth it. He's worth your devotion. Because He's a good God. He loves you. And everything that He promised you, everything that the Bible promises you, He'll pour out on you. But you got to come to Him in love. 1 Corinthians 13 says that without love, anything we do is a waste of time. It says you could take all the money you got and give it to the poor. And if you don't have love for God, you wasted your money. It says that you could even die for God, get burned in the flames. And if you didn't do it because you love God, you died for nothing. Because that's what, that's what it's all about. It's all about loving God. It's all about wasting yourself on Him. 
pouring it all out on him. The best, the best that you got. The best of you, the best of your mind. What did Jesus say? The best of your mind, the best of your strength, the all of your heart. King David said, everything that's within me, bless your holy name. We shouldn't have to beg you to worship. When we're during the worship time, I have to keep coming... People have to keep coming out and saying, come on, worship, worship. All that's within me, bless his holy name. All that's within me, all my strength, all my heart, all my mind. I'm going to waste it on God. I don't know about anyone else. But I'm choosing. I'm I'm making a choice. I'm going to waste everything that I got on God. Because he's worth it. Because he's been good to me. Every time when I thought I was going to sink, every time when I had nothing, every time when it looked like the enemy was going to prevail, God has been good. He's come through. Because he's a good, he's a good bridegroom. He's the heavenly bridegroom. And he's been faithful in my life. And he's worth everything that I could pour out on him. All my heart, all my devotion. I'm going to ask um, Veronica to get ready as as we end. But I said before I was going to read one more scripture, but I just said that to give you hope, because I have still one last scripture. And this is from Song of Solomon, chapter 8, because that's what Song of Solomon is all about. Song of Solomon is a picture of, of a relationship between a husband and a wife. But symbolically, it's a picture of the relationship between you and God, between you and Jesus. And the woman in the Song of Solomon represents you as a Christian. And, and this is what the woman says in Song of Solomon chapter 8, verses 6 to 7. This is the woman, this is you speaking to Jesus. She said, place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm, for love is as strong as death, its jealousy unyielding as the grave. It burns like blazing fire, like a mighty flame. Many waters cannot quench love. Rivers cannot wash it away. If one were to give all the wealth of his house for love, It would be utterly scorned. He has taken me to the banquet hall, and his banner over me is love. That that should be the cry of your heart. I'm filled with passionate love for God. First love, bridal love for God. The love for the bridegroom, it's like a flame that many waters wouldn't be able to put it out. It's so strong that even when people don't like me, even when I go through hard times, when I don't feel like it, there's a fire burning inside and nothing could stop it. Nothing could put it out. And like I said, it's not all, it's not mostly about what I can do for God. It's not mostly about how good my ministry is. 
It's mostly about the fire of God, the passion for God burning in my heart. And I want to show you a, a picture of that right now. I want to show you a picture of intimacy and passion right now. So Veronica's going to come up, and, and she's going to do the bridal dance, the passionate, fiery bridal dance before Jesus, her bridegroom. And, and also for those who have the banners also. Because I don't want anyone leaving here today without God burning in you. Maybe at one time you used to burn for God. Maybe, maybe at one time you loved to worship. And things happened in life and the fire began to come out. For some of you it's just making a new commitment, a new renewal. There are some of you, you're already on fire and passionate after God. You're running after Him. And you're making a new commitment saying, God, I'm going all the way. For some of you, God just wants to bring you up to a new level. But if that's your desire today, if you're saying today, I, I want first love. I'm coming to my first love today. Whether you're a new Christian, whether you used to serve God, whatever's going on in your life, even if you're in your weakness today, if you feel, I've messed up, I failed, that, that woman that poured everything out on Jesus, she has failed miserably, but yet what did Jesus say? Because of her passion... Because of her devotion and love, every place this gospel is preached, she's going to be mentioned. And 2,000 years later, we're still talking about it today. This prostitute, a miserable failure, who turned her life around by taking everything she had and wasting it on Jesus. The, the scripture I read before, it says, he has taken me to the banqueting hall or the banqueting table. And his banner over me is love. And these banners today represent the love of God. I'm just going to call you today to come to the love of God. If you're saying, I'm going to love God with all my heart. I'm going to ask you to join me up here right now. <laughs> We're not going to ask you to do anything, say anything. You don't have to get on the microphone. But if you're saying, I'm going to be passionate after God, I'm coming after God. I'm renewing my love today. I'm renewing my heart. I'm saying, God, I love you. We just want to invite you to come forward right now right now in Jesus name and they're going to wave these banners over you and it symbolizes the banner the banner of God's love over you so let's just stand up right now and, and worship thank you for supporting the sanctuary fellowship 
We are a new and growing church with a passion and a heart towards enjoying God, serving people, and building healthy families. We pray that you will continue to fellowship and grow with us as we follow hard after God. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. God bless.